Hello and welcome back to the Logan and Jake Take Podcast. It's episode 51. And, uh... Well, Logan? Uh, how do we feel? Uh, how, how are we feeling today? Not gonna lie to you. It's been a week. It has indeed been a week. I have reached levels of exhaustion that I didn't think were possible for a human to be, for a human being to feel. Uh, I, I I'm right there with you. Um, I've reached these levels of exhaustion a few times before, but it's getting uh, it's it's the memories are all coming back to me now, like the song suggests, and they're not pleasant. Um, I am. Completely mentally exhausted. Um, you know, angry. Uh, uh, just this has been a this has been a really interesting week, and not in a good way. There's <laughs> like a lot going on. Um, but I know what the people are thinking this isn't entertaining. We didn't come here to hear you complain. We didn't hear. We didn't come here to hear y'all's red table. <laughs> like, unfortunately, we will not be giving you a red table discussion. Uh, even though this would be a green table, technically, I guess. Um, mm. uh, no, well, it's just been we, a long. We, week. we keep it real, folks. We keep it real. Although, much like the uh, Chris Rock stand-up special, the some of the reason why I am so angry is because of people who have selective outrage. <laughs> um, like, uh, no, I, uh, Logan, I won't ask how your week has been. Cause I think we both have a pretty long week. Um, but, uh, what have you been up to lately? Aside from the things which caused the stress. Honestly, Oh, you said besides the yeah. Thing. Besides, okay, those, I was about to be like, what? Well, what, you know, just, just what have you been doing in your? Uh, what have you been doing in the uh, the hours you get to yourself? Uh God. Honestly, it's gonna sound very boring, but in the little bit of free time I have, I've just been playing more Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, I learned Avada Kedavra the other day, and. Much like the proud, pure-blooded Slytherin I am, I find myself in situations where I'm surrounded by multiple enemies, and I brutally murder all of them. <laughs> I brutally murder all of them. There's the really cool game mechanic where you can curse uh, people with different spells, and if you uh, add a certain trait to your Avada Kedavra spell, it kills everybody that's been cursed in a uh, area. And the first time I did that, I intentionally cursed, like, Eight to ten people. And then I brutally murdered every single one of them. And I felt no remorse because they tried me. They tried my wizard and gangsta and I didn't appreciate it. But besides that, uh, honestly, just, just catching up on some TV shows that I haven't watched. I, I, at the moment, I don't have a very exciting life because it's literally just work, mm-hmm. rehearsal, more yeah. work. Uh, That's the cycle. Yeah. Um, obviously we're still watching The Last of Us. We'll have coverage of the back half of the season sometime after next week, uh, or sometime after this weekend. There, It'll be the season finale this weekend, this Sunday night. So sometime, um, in a week or two, hopefully we'll be able to review the back 
half of the first season of that, but it's been excellent. We talked about it in the last episode, um, the, <clears throat> how good it's been, and it's just been getting better with each episode. So if you're watching that and you were curious what we thought about the last couple of weeks, man, it's been getting even better. Can't wait to see uh, how it ends, although I know that's going to frustrate me having to wait. Um, and uh, there actually was a report this week, you may have seen it, that said that they are going to significantly deviate from the game storyline with something here right at the end. And I don't know how much that's going to carry over <coughs> to next season or what. I did but. see that, and I was confused and wasn't really sure what they meant by that. But I've literally enjoyed everything about this show so far, same. so I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Absolutely same. So, um, And especially if it means that they'll uh, deviate from the from the end, of, well, the beginning of the, the second, second day. Yeah. So, um, also, you season... For part two, actually, it snuck up on me because part one had dropped on Netflix February 9th and watched those. Um, and part two actually dropped uh, yesterday. And I was on Facebook last night. Uh, I was about, I was actually about to go to uh, Netflix and fire up Community because I'm on season four of Community. And I was going <laughs> to, I was just about to load that when I realized. <laughs> There were new episodes for you, <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh Joe. Like, you so, sent me um, a text saying that it was up, <clears throat> and my immediate response was, those bastards. Because I wasn't in a place where I could immediately start watching it, and by the time I got home, I needed to go straight to bed. And I've been at work all day, and we went to go watch a movie today that we'll talk about. But uh, And I'm probably not going to have any time to watch it tomorrow. It's like, oh, the great game is once again afoot. Mm. Um, no, that's been a, it's been a different sort of season, but also very entertaining. Um, I don't know why, though. I've, I've enjoyed uh, Joe a lot this season, despite the fact that I hate him for killing uh, Love. Absolutely. Honestly, he's he's been the most likable this season than he has in a very long time. And we'll, we'll get into that, because... I think that's one of the things we're talking about today. I don't know. My, my mind's... Yeah. Um, well, some things that I have been watching or will be watching uh, soon that are on my list that I would very much like to start. Number one, uh, finally, after two years, I've convinced my father-in-law to watch Lost, so I'm um, I'm rewatching <laughs> Lost with him. Uh, but some things uh, we're still watching season one of Invincible. Excellent. How far have you got? Uh, we're like about midway through. Got to go you back. Seen Battle Cat? Uh, not yet. Got to got to got to go back and 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 keep going with that. Um, real, real quick, real quick. Thoughts on Amber? Um. So like I don't I don't. Honestly, like, I'm enjoying it, but I haven't thought about any of it too deeply, uh, other than uh, the the gruesome and brutal um, ending of the first episode, which I knew was coming, um, but I thought it played out well. Um, so stay tuned for that. I'll have more thoughts about Invincible once I finish season one. Um... There's a sequel to the Waco miniseries called Waco the Aftermath coming to Showtime April 14th. Saw that and uh, uh, I'm confused. I, I'm 
Well, apparently Michael Shannon's character was involved in a lot of other stuff after. And, like, apparently what after Waco there really was, like, a huge fallout. And it ties in with some other crap that happened. And um, I, I will actually watch that because I thought the Waco miniseries was really good. Uh, there's something coming to Hulu called Under the Banner of Heaven. Or it's on Hulu. I can't I heard about that. Uh, that sounds like it might be good. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I wrote this down a few days ago and I don't remember exactly what it is. I just remember <laughs> I looked it up and was like, that sounds dope. It's called Under the Banner of Heaven. It's going to be on Hulu or it is on Hulu. or it's I, I don't know. Uh, so one that completely snuck up on me, like just out of the blue, Mandalorian Season 3 dropped. Yeah. Oh well, well not the whole season, but like it's it's about like three episodes in, so I had to add that to the <laughs> to the list. Uh, I'm looking at the cast list for Under the Banner of Heaven. Andrew Garfield. I'm I'm sold. Okay. Um. D- does it does it say what it's about? The faith of police detective Jeb Jeb. Pyre is shaken when investigating the murder of a Latter-day Saint mother and her baby daughter that seemed to involve the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Sounds interesting. Not gonna lie, it did. Um, something else I know, so I'm gonna have to watch Mandalorian Season 3 at some point. That's coming. Uh, okay, shows I definitely want to watch. There's a new Damon Lindelof show I saw it advertised. I can't remember what it's called, but mm-hmm. it's about like uh, Mrs. 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 Davis, Mrs. something, Mrs. Davis. Mrs. Davis. It's about like, um, I want to say it's like about like a a nun or somebody who is fighting against AI. It's a sci-fi. It's gonna be, oh. yeah, like uh, it's on Peacock, I believe. It's, it's gonna be on Peacock next month. Um, another one, Yellow Jackets on Showtime. I need to watch that. I really want to watch that. People keep telling me I'm going to really like it. Um, A lot of people that like Lost have recommended it. So, Um, and another one that you've been trying to uh, convince me to watch for a while that I am thinking about adding to the uh, lit lineup sometime soon is Euphoria. Um, Sir, so sir, HBO. I need you to watch it. As someone who teaches children in high well, school, I need you one to tell reason me how why, accurate it is. Well, that's one reason why I have refrained from watching <laughs> it, because I deal with high schoolers all the time, and I'm like, I don't want to imagine my kids doing drugs and having sex and all that kind of stuff. They're infants. Like, Bro, um, that's precious. But uh, they, they out here smoking dudes. But, uh... Um, yeah, so high schoolers are high schoolers are annoying, so I'm assuming I'm just going to be annoyed by it. But uh, I... Probably. I am going to uh, watch it for sure. Um, oh, real quick. Under the Banner of Heaven, based on a nonfiction book. That might be why. I, I might have seen that and been like, mm, that looks like it might be interesting. Um, and then... Um, just... When I circle back to Lost, this is like my 11th or 12th rewatch. I really can't remember. Um, but something that you and I have talked about doing in the past is a Lost retrospective episode. Mm-hmm. I actually think that would be really cool. Um, there's a The news came out this week. There's going to be a, a new documentary, a feature-length documentary about Lost called Getting Lost, about the, the cultural phenomenon that was Lost. 
Um, it's going to talk about how the fandom sprang up, how Lost influenced television, um, how TV has changed because of Lost in the last 20 years, and also the the fan reaction to the finale, the series finale, and the legacy of the show in the wake of that uh, from both angles, from the people who liked it and the people who didn't like it. Supposedly, I'm assuming there will be lots of interviews with lots of the like culture writers from back in the day who were following the show, probably the creators and some of the cast. And it's directed by the person who directed The Last Blockbuster, which is an excellent documentary, mm-hmm. if you've not had a chance to watch that. Uh, it's a it's a, literally about the last Blockbuster location that was opened uh, and how it it had survived into the 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 re into the current decade i think it might have finally closed but that was an excellent documentary savannah and i both really enjoyed that so i'm excited that that person is doing this um which if you don't know the story um brief side tangent like what apparently when when uh netflix was like so, okay, so I remember Red Boxes came out. And, like, but Netflix used to kind of be Red Box. Like, you could order DVDs or whatever. Uh, you go get them from machines. But, like, this was before streaming. Well, that's what Netflix was. It was like a small company. Like, most of us who were old enough remember what Netflix was before it was a streaming company. And apparently, according to that documentary, what happened is like, Netflix, the people running Netflix were super smart and they they really realized what was happening. They had their finger on the pulse of what was happening in the market and how like basically the video old-fashioned video stores were dying because of the changing in the market. So they very boldly when they had no it was all just potential at this point. Um they had no real clout. They they got a meeting with um uh, some executives at Blockbuster, and they were like, so, writing's on the wall, gents. How about you uh, sell out to us now and save yourself the embarrassment? And Blockbuster laughed them out of the office. And uh, they made several offers. And, uh, it, you know, the rest, of course, is history. <laughs> like, Netflix blew up. Um, but I just thought that was an interesting anecdote. Um it's a shame that Netflix couldn't keep up with the times because um, out of all of the streaming services, they're the worst now. And, and that's true. Although I still find myself, because of some of the titles they have, go keeping my subscription. Um, I Instead of looking it up somewhere else. Like, for example, Community I'm watching right now, I do like you, and I do like Stranger Things a lot. But as far as the... Stranger Things and You, those are the two that really, I think, are the best uh, in terms of things that keep me wanting to watch Netflix. And then occasionally when they do like a true crime documentary series or something, it's really interesting. Um, But yeah, like in just like anything else, once other people caught on to what was happening and they came out with their own streaming platforms and started refining them. Mm-hmm. I mean, nowadays we have Disney plus and HBO max and yeah. Amazon 
Amazon uh, Prime Video and uh, Paramount Plus is a great network actually. Um, and several several of the ones that people sleep on, like Tubi, that's free, have a lot of good stuff on it. I've used Tubi once, um, and it was over the Christmas break because I wanted to watch Ghosts of Girlfriends Past because it's one of my favorite Christmas movies. Don't judge me. That's ah, a good movie. It's it's basically a Christmas Carol, and you can't go wrong with any version of a Christmas Carol. Carol. But Tubi was the only streaming service that had it, so I watched it. And the only downside is commercials. Yeah, rec- but whatever. Recently, I uh, now is there is there a uh, a tiered subscription to Tubi where you can get it without the ads? I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do. Honestly, it. don't care. Enough I would to never. Share. I would never do it. No. But I'm just curious. But uh, I Ooh, uh, one of the streaming services that didn't last long. Oh God, what was it? It was the one where the Christoph Waltz, Liam Hemsworth, most dangerous game adaptation was on. And it was like all the episodes of everything they did on that ser- on that um on that platform were like in 15 minute intervals. And it was the most annoying part was that you had to watch it in portrait mode. Uh let me see if I can look that up. Because it was it didn't make any sense why it uh well, I mean I know why it didn't last, because the business model was garbage, but I'm gonna go to Liam Hemsworth's Wikipedia page because I'm I don't have time to scroll through all of Christoph Waltz's stuff. Many I know I know Liam, as wonderful as he might be, huh? He's a year older than no, younger than me. Okay, uh, I know it's not gonna be as in depth. Also, going about people's age and stuff like that, Jonathan Majors is dead ass the same age as us. I figured that. I was like, this is. And I wouldn't be surprised if Michael Quibby. B. Jordan was younger. Well, no, Michael B. Jordan is older. He is older. Yeah, I want to say he's like 34? Um, uh, I remember... No, 36. I do remember Quibby. I do remember yeah. that. It was um, a short-lived... Uh, oh, wow, it was real short-lived. It launched in April 2020, but it was shut down in December of that same year, so... Well, I remember that because when it was when it launched was when I was it was around the time frame where I had just taught my ninth graders when I taught English um, the most dangerous game and then phenomenal novel the adaptation came out and it was like oh, okay uh, and we did I mean we didn't watch that but because of the unique way of mm-hmm. but um, but yeah like Tubi ironically. Uh, most people, I don't know if I've ever talked about it on the podcast, but one of my like sort of, uh, historical pastimes is a uh, Titanic research. I really like Titanic. Um, and, uh, the Tubi, Tubi had, uh, raised the Titanic mm. on it randomly. Uh, not a terrible movie actually. I was this close to showing my kids at school the, uh, animated Titanic movie. Never seen that one. It's like the one I haven't seen. The entire thing's on Netflix. I'm oh, not Netflix. Uh, YouTube. Any good? I didn't watch it, and I wasn't gonna. Oh, you were like, is one of those like might have to be a movie day. Got a headache. Big facts. <laughs> and they asked about Titanic, so no, we were actually talking about uh, a bunch of our ELA stuff was revolving around Titanic. They had to read a bunch of different passages about the Titanic, and I was just like. I should just show them this animated movie. But then I, like, because I looked the trailer up on YouTube, it looks like <coughs> dog water. It looks terrible. I asked 
my students the other day. I challenged them to pantomime a scene from any movie as long as it was school appropriate. Fair. Um, and see if we, the rest of the class, could guess what scene they were pantomiming. Mm-hmm. So one of the groups, they did a scene from Titanic. Was it the King of the World scene? Kind of. What they did was they went up on stage. You could tell they wasted like the whole 30 or 45 minutes I gave them to prepare. And then they walked up on stage and this one girl looks at me and goes, wait, did Titanic sink? And I was like, well, yeah. And this dude was like, I mean, I knew some people went overboard for sure. I remember that part. And I'm like, yeah, it sank. Sank, sank, yeah. So, uh... Like, a few of them did the, like, King of the World scene, while a few others, like, dove off the stage like they were trying to dive off the ship. And then, like, I want to say a few others, like, were pretending to be, like, on the bridge and, like, turning the, uh... The wheel or whatever, trying to keep it from hitting the what iceberg. The? It was uh, it was a hot mess, but uh, they tried. I'd um, have had more respect if they had just gone up there and done the crane kick from the first Karate Kid movie. That would have actually been really. Although epic. I'm positive, none of those kids have ever seen Karate uh, Kid. These two guys got up there and did a scene from a movie we're going to talk about later, Creed Three, mm. uh, and uh, it started out like very obvious that's what it was. But then, like, at a certain point, one of them fell down, and the other one just started kicking them and, like, punching them repeatedly while they were down. That's not how them. And I was works. like, that didn't happen in that movie. Uh, Unless they were recreating the, the part where Adonis beat that dude down and just started to wail on him. And the... uh, no, it was supposed to, I think it was supposed to be the final fight, and I'm like, that's not what well, happened. they're stupid. Oh, <laughs> but that there was another group of kids who... Uh, did like Drago and Apollo and the kid who played Apollo, he did the whole like go completely limp, slightly shake your <laughs> head and fall straight out thing. Perfect. But he did it onto like some hard wood or whatever and it looked real painful. Hey, you gotta um, commit to the bit. He committed to the bit. Uh but uh yeah, so uh I think that was all sort of a a tangent that led off of the that, but go, like, just to put a bow on it, going all the way back to Titanic. Mm-hmm. Wait, not Titanic. Going all the way back to Lost. Um, I do think that, uh, A, at some point we need to just do a rewatch podcast called, like, you know, Logan and Jake go back to the island. It's a work in progress. We'll come up with a time. <laughs> Logan and Jake, you know, take on... The Spoke Monster. Like, you know, we'll come up with we'll, a title. We'll workshop it. Uh, but I think that would be a fun... Um, a fun side side quest one of these days. But, uh, I feel like it'll have to be during the summer. Yes. But we should absolutely, for the main feed, do a series retrospective. Um, I, th- I feel like there are enough people who would... Out there who still remember Lost, who still like Lost, who would uh, listen to that. Um... And be like, I can't wait for these guys to confirm my belief that they were dead the whole time. I mean, y'all gonna be waiting <laughs> a long time for that belief to get confirmed. Oh, goodness. Uh, hashtag 
not dead the whole time. Um, hashtag not my opinion. Um. Yeah. Uh, hashtag <laughs> the writers of the show have given interviews about this, and you need to look them up. Um, hashtag there's a line of dialogue that Deadass says some of them died before you, some long after you. They just weren't dead. <laughs> That's just not what happened. Uh, but anyway, so um, gosh, um, what else? I think I think that pretty much catches it up before we start talking about the movies that uh, we watched the last couple of weeks. But uh, do you have any uh, quick takes or I do. hot takes? I do. And for the first time since we started doing the quick takes, I went to uh, I went to the gram, posted it on the gram. Did you see it? I didn't. You son of a bitch. Alright, so, real quick. This week's quick take. Let me, let me pull it back up. Oh no, my phone's not working. <clears throat> what album slash song is the soundtrack to your year so far? Oh, man. <laughs> um, now, now, since I went to... The Gram. We actually had some people uh, respond. Feedback. Indeed. Two, two, two of our loyal listeners. One good friend of the podcast, Sid Yadav, who uh, was very upset with us in the last episode on the 50th episode. Uh, because apparently I forgot to call him out and mention him as one of the people that support the podcast. Sid. I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, he also has his own podcast, which he you does. should check out. You were on it, weren't you? I was on it. I discussed uh, Elvis. Nice. I'm, I'm waiting for my invite, Sid. Uh, although I did tell him that like the best time to bring me on there when I would have something to talk about that I could talk about for a long time. Superman. Superman. Whenever that new movie comes out, get me on. Uh, but yes, yeah, so good, good friend of the podcast, Sid Yadav. Uh, he responded with uh, the song that is the uh, representation of his 2023 so far. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> now I'm not sure. I didn't. I didn't ask him why that was. I will ask so, him tomorrow. I'm not sure. So if, it's the, it's this. Okay, so the song is the sound of silence. Is is it the disturbed version or the Gar Simon and Garfunkel? Version? I choose to believe it's the disturbed version because I don't care what anybody says. That's the better that version. Is, of that the is song. a great version. That's a great song. That is a great version. Of the also, song. Uh, I I want to talk to Sid because I'm not sure if he's depressed or. Or if that was a veiled shot at me as a black man who is his old who is his uh his old friend and I'm assuming he's calling me darkness. I don't know which one it is. Or, you know, maybe just twenty twenty three, you know, it's not it's not going well for Sid. We don't know. But I'm gonna do some investigative journalism. I'm gonna get back to Sid. I'm gonna be like, Sid, what's going on? Are you okay? Do you need a hug? What's happening? Talk to me. Sid also in uh Sweeney Todd with us. So, you know, there's that. Uh, but yeah, that was Sid's answer. Uh, we got another. We got another one. We got another one. Uh, hold on, let me let me pull that back up. Got to switch between uh, Instagram accounts. The other one, good friend of the podcast and even better friend of ours in general, Maria, Maria Para, who I don't know if we mentioned her last week either. If we didn't, Maria, I'm sorry. I apologize. That's my fault. That's my fault. Uh, 
Thanks for listening and supporting the show. Hers. Left field, but I like it. I like this band. Gimme Chocolate by Baby Metal. I don't know if you're familiar with Baby Metal or not. I am familiar with Good Baby Metal. Good music. I... I also asked her, like, how what, how does this relate to your year so far? But if she hasn't gotten back. If she responds before we're done recording, you know, we'll, I'll I'll update the people. Um, if not, she'll listen to this, like, either tomorrow or Sunday and respond to that. So, yeah, yeah. What about you, old Bane? You, uh, you figured yours out yet? Yes, actually. Uh, um... <clears throat> I just, like, there's been a lot of things going on in my life lately. And, like, a lot of them are, like, have the distinct air of injustice about them. Mm. Uh, Just situations that are not right. Um, Been very stressed out. Dealing with just... Incredible amounts of nonsense. Um, and one of the things that I've been going back to is just this idea of eventually something has got to give and people that don't treat people correctly, people that are uh, only out for themselves and only out for um, the wrong things eventually that has to catch up with them. And this sense of like, um, that the universe has a way of sorting these things out or whatever has really been on my mind the last couple of weeks, last couple of months really. And I saw him that I keep going back to um, when I'm feeling particularly down about these situations is uh, that excellent Johnny Cash tune when the man comes around mm. uh, that you and I like uh, and have thought about applying to different scenarios when we write. But uh, mo- it was notably it was used in Terminator Sarah Connor Chronicles. Um, show that was gone too soon. Uh, and it was also the opening credits to Zack Snyder's uh, Dawn of the Dead. Yes, uh, it was. Hear the trumpets, hear the pipers. Like, uh, yeah, so uh, that song uh, leaves me feeling a little bit better every time I listen to it because the theme of that is like, you know, you're not going to be able to to get away with mistreating people, abusing people forever. You know, mm-hmm. Eventually you are going to stand in judgment on that in one form or the other. And uh, the best thing for good people to do is to continue to be good. You know, whoever's just, let him be just still. Whoever is unjust, let him be unjust still. And that's where I'm at. So 2023, I would say, um, that's one of the songs that is on my playlist for sure. Fair enough. Um, it's a good song. So, the funny thing is, like, so I come up with a lot of these questions, and oftentimes it's just, help me process certain things. Why are you putting on a fingerless glove? It was it was here to be taken. <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> Yours is Brass Monkey, right? Brass Monkey. Yeah, absolutely not. That funky monkey. Sorry. It's uh, Baby Got Back by Sir Mix-a-Lot. No, I'm joking. It is... So, for the first time in a long time, it feels like I'm in a transitional period of my life where things seem to be on the up and up and they seem to be going right. And a lot of the things that I have possibly wanted for myself are maybe not within like arm's length, but they are, I can, I can kind of sort of see, I can slightly see them off in the distance, right? Um, I've started a new job that I genuinely enjoy. Uh, I've, all the friends that I have at this point in my life are, for the most part, decently good human beings. I know some of y'all got some skeletons in your closet. But, you know, we're all good. We've all got those. And a few of us have skeletors in our closet. Excuse me? What? (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Um, But because I just feel like I'm in this transitional period, the song for me, at least as of March 10th, 2023, to let you all know when we're recording this, the Times They Are a Changing by Bob Dylan. Also, in an excellent opening from a Zack Snyder fan. Yes, it was. <laughs> Uncle Zack, we love the you. Times they, they are a changing. But no, I, I feel like that's that's actually a good call. Yeah. Really um, it, and I know like <clears throat> a lot of times when it's used in like movies or TV shows and stuff, it it's done in a way to where like it just <clears throat> seems like a very negative and downbeat song but i do think that change is an is an inevitable part of life and if you're not changing you're dying it's bittersweet the idea of change and it's so fitting actually for um what we're going to talk about with the movies we're reviewing the theme of change is mm-hmm. there like in growth and i and it's like change is one of those things i reflect on so much these days as well because as you get, as you step out into adulthood and you take your real steps into actual, okay, I'm a for real grown up now and I'm dealing with grown up situations. Mm-hmm. Like I'm in, uh, uh, I'm in adult situations where no one can bail you out. No one can save you. You have to stand on your own two feet. You get hit with that sense of like. It's good, like the sense of growth that comes from stepping out and taking on greater responsibility and learning how to stand on your own two feet without um, older adults, like quote-unquote real adults, coming to the rescue. It's great, and at the same time, it's bittersweet because you, you have a lot of memories and things that you cherish about the past that are, you know... I, I was thinking the other day about just how, uh, you know, after the show that I'm in right now, I probably won't be able to act in a show again for a long time mm-hmm. for a, a, a variety of reasons. And I was just thinking, you know, about all of the people that have come and gone through the years that I've met through theater and the organization that I've been a part of. And the community, the theater family I've been a part of and how people come and go and times change. And I just remember, uh, our, I, you know, remembering these people fondly and wishing 
sometimes desperately that they were still around, that they were still uh, part of my daily or weekly existence. But I think we don't grow um, if we don't... If things don't, don't ever change, then we don't ever grow. Yeah. So I think it's one of the bittersweet lessons of life. So I think that's a great... I think it's a really great song for where you're at. And I certainly relate to it also. But I do think that it brilliantly fits some of the themes that are present. Uh, definitely in Creed 3. Mm-hmm. But also just at a meta level in both the Cream... The Cream. The Creed and Scream <laughs> franchises. Oh my Cross over that we didn't know we Ooh, named it. <laughs> that's the title of the episode. Uh, um. Cream. <laughs> but, um... Just going back to the song real quick, though, it and it's weird because you and I, on multiple occasions, have had the conversation of we miss what the times were like when we first met each other and when we first started working each working with each other at the movie theater. That from the time you started went in two thousand and seven. It changed a lot by the time I started there in two thousand and eleven, and by the time I left in twenty. 19 it had changed so much that it was almost like a complete well it was a completely different company but it was like a just a completely different feeling going to work there anymore which is why i'm kind of glad that i left because it didn't feel the same but we've talked about how we missed those days when we were constantly broke yeah but there was a simplicity to life because we were broke all the time but like we never really had to worry about anything. Uh, if we needed to go somewhere, like your dad could take us or Levi or something, uh, we would work, but like we went to work and we got to basically hang out with all of our really good friends for eight hours a day. It was, there was, even though we were both like adults, there was still a childlike wonder that we got to experience working together. And I don't think that until we both left, did we actually start to grow up? We were very much like Troy and Abed from Community. Yes. Like in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Like you could have done a sitcom about us at the movie theater and it well, would have been just as entertaining. It's funny because every time Troy um, and Abed are like, Troy and Abed in the morning, I'm like, Jake and Logan at the podium. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. yeah. um, I, I miss those days, but especially now that things seem to be genuinely working out for both of us. For the first time ever, if someone asked me if I wanted to go back to that place, I wouldn't go. Because it, I, I, I put the childish things behind me, as they say. It, I don't know. It just it feels nice to, <laughs> at the ripe age of 33, finally actually feel like what an adult is supposed to feel like. Yeah. Now, that being said, like when I'm not working and I'm just goofing off with my friends, I'm still I'm still me, but I do on occasion feel like an adult, mainly when I wake up in the morning and I'm still tired and my bones ache my, down to the cellular <laughs> yes, level and I'm like, dear my God, back. why do my knees and my back hurt? My back hurts, my feet hurt. It's like uh, Rocky once said, it's like, you gotta call a cab to bring me from the bedroom to the bathroom. <laughs> Shout out to Tempur-Pedic. Uh, we are, we'll gladly work with y'all if you want to send us some Tempur-Pedic beds and uh, help with the back aches. 
Um, yeah, it's it's bittersweet. Change is bittersweet. Getting older and, and adulting is bittersweet. And definitely look back on those times very fondly. Uh, I'd like to go back there and visit sometime, but I wouldn't go back and stay. Yeah. Um, because which which is funny because. I think the best representation of that was when you, me, and Emily uh, went to Gordon a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. It was yeah. very weird and surreal being back. Because I'd been back before, but I'd never gone back after I left the final time with any of the friends that I had made there. And it was very nice to have you and Emily there with yeah. me this time. Because as far as like my theater friends go, I had made friends in theater at Gordon before I met you all. But you two, along with, well, out of the first group of people that I met when I was there the first time, you, Emily, and Travis are the only ones that I still speak to on a regular basis. Yeah. So, and which sucks. I, I miss people like Kurt, Jesse, Alex. Yeah. Well, it's, it's surreal in a lot of ways because on the one hand... It felt as if, like, no time had, cha- had passed at all. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, it felt, like, very different. Yeah. And it was, it was really good. Like, you and, you and Emily, like, worked more closely with him and were closer to Tony, our tech director. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I'm not. I have not seen him since like 2000. And I want to say 11. Oh wow! So it's been like what? 12 yeah, years? and okay. like, and I had a lot of weird crap going mm. on back then. I didn't have my own car. You lived on campus. I didn't have my own car. Um, I wasn't really able to do shows. I, I think I did one show the whole time I was a theater major there. Um, I I could have spent more time in the shop. Um, I wasn't the best at any of the technical theater stuff. And I always felt like Tony was incredibly disappointed with me when I was a student there. And it was one of the things in the back of my mind is like, you know, I've not seen Tony in a long time. Is he... Like, I knew he would remember me. Like, you you work with these people too closely for them to not remember you. You know what I mean? But it's like, is he going to... Is he going to be um, as genuinely uh, happy to see and have a conversation with me as I would be to see and have a conversation with him? And I I can definitely say it felt like a very pleasant... um, Very short... But very pleasant reunion. Like, um, it was it was really good to see Tony, and that was very good for me. Like, it was cathartic for me to be yeah. like, okay, Tony, clearly he now views that as that was a long time ago when I was a kid. I was a young kid, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? He, he now sees me as an adult and as a potential colleague because he wants to work with our program at the high school yeah. and, and things like that, and... Uh, that was really good for me. That was really good for me um, to have that experience. So uh, it was really nice to see Tony. I, I want to tell Tony this in person because I, I think to myself that I just need to go. I need to go down there and, and tell him this, but I I don't do it. 
And if the last couple of years have taught us anything, life is too short to not just tell people things. But I really do want to thank Tony for just being who he is as a person and making that offer of like the first day in theater appreciation class with the whole, if you want extra credit at any point in the year, just come help out in the shop and like, you know, if you work there enough, I'll give you extra credit to help you pass the class and everything. And I, I knew I could pass theater appreciation, no problem. But I was curious, and so I went, and I fell in love with it. And then from about 2010, no, 2009, to when I left for the last time in 2013, no, 2014. 2014-2015 I got to like actually work with Tony and get to know Tony and I can honestly say this without any like bullshit or whatever if it wasn't for Tony Pearson being the person he was and making theater seem like a very inviting thing to do I would not be where I am now right without Tony being like hey stop by the shop I don't meet you and Emily. If I don't meet you, I don't start do. Oh, I don't start working at the movie theater. So I don't meet everyone I met there. I don't start doing art reach where I work as a drama teacher during the school year. Um, I don't meet Brad or anybody at Camelot. So it's like I owe a lot of what my life is like now to Tony Pearson. Also. I am, I'm only a substitute teacher, but I do think that a lot of, like, my teaching style is a mixture of, it's a mixture of my personality and the type of teacher that Tony was, where, like, Tony just, he made class fun. And, Tony, if you are listening to this, I just want you to know that, and that, like, I, I want to thank you for everything you've done and if you're not listening to this well then uh before the school year is out i am going to go down to gordon and and let him know all of this but yeah yeah that's uh we got real serious and i was not intending to get that serious on this question no that yeah i mean i kind of feel the same way it's there's a lot of people that um i think I think about the the way in which one person can impact it is it like a whole trajectory mm-hmm. um and you know I, it, it there are some people that have a huge impact like that um and I think that as we get older one of the bittersweet things about it is that you lose contact with some of these people, mm-hmm. uh, but you always remember them very fondly. Well, um, that's why it, it it honestly meant the world that when we went to go see him, Tony was the one that made the offer of actually like wanting to go get dinner with you, me, and Emily, so we could just catch up. Yeah, which was it was nice, and like you said, like you work very closely, especially in theater, like you work Mm -hmm. very close with people and you develop friendships. But I mean, we haven't been his students in a very long time, but it, it's nice to know that he 
cares enough about us to want to actually catch up with us and see how we're doing. It's also nice enough to know that, like, we weren't totally crazy. Like, our personalities are big enough to where people really do. They really did leave an impression people remember us fondly. You know, like, um, and that's a... That that actually means more now than it ever would have then. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the goal is not to... The goal is not to make everyone love you, but the goal uh, is to be the kind of person that people don't want to get up and leave the room when you walk in. Yeah. And, you know, so I think that there's... That's really one of the great divisions in life is between those types of people. Um, and I've always tried to be one of those people that people stayed in the room, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Uh, you know, now I've got the community theme song stuck in my head. It's a very dark theme it's song. Very dark theme song. But it's also thematically very fitting for this as well. Give me a rope. I'm in a tree. Give me the hope to run out of steam. Oh, God. I love the end, though. I can't count the reasons I should stay. Although, going back to Community and Gordon, I I feel like the show Community is just a very exaggerated version of what Gordon was like. Yeah, I feel a very... I feel a wonderful... Well, the name community is so great. I feel mm-hmm. a wonderful sense of community Yeah. to those characters. Like, I feel like I know people like that. I yeah. was people like that. You know, and I think that's the brilliance of that show. Um, and... Well, like, it's... So, it's funny. Like, I look at Troy and Abed, and I see you and me. Right? Um... Or, like, I see you and me, or, like, when I was living with Travis, like, I see me and Travis. Um, I am nowhere near cool enough to be Jeff Winger. But I do think that a lot of Jeff's hang-ups, I also share. Yeah. I feel like there are just, there's some, there's a, I can see bits and pieces of, of a lot of my friends and Jeff. And, uh, well, in all of them. And, like, I know you're. I mean this in the best way possible i know i look at pierce and i think of your dad that's exactly that's exactly (laughs) where i was going with it like the way that chevy chase played pierce and and, you know like there's a whole lot of issues with chevy chase but Mm -hmm. like that character in particular um because though he be an asshole in real life he be a talented asshole yes and the way he plays that character there's a real sincerity mm-hmm. and heart to that character. He cares about those people. Yes. And he well, is Pierce's hopeless. Pierce's biggest hang up is that he cares about all of them, but he does not know the right way to show it. And there are multiple moments throughout the show where he's like, I just want you all to include me. But because of how he acts and how he yeah. treats them. They want nothing to do with him. He reminds me of my dad, not because of that, Mm -hmm. but just like the sort of, the humor. Yeah. The sort of like, casually, like, 
unironic yes. problematic statements where like he just genuinely Your dad would say some off the wall shit and you know that if community came on like HBO Max or Showtime yeah. it would have been some of the crazy like, off the wall shit unintentionally but casually problematic yes. like yeah like the it reminds me very much of that like all of the warm elements of Pierce yes if Pierce like was well adjusted if Chevy Chase had not thrown a hissy fit and agreed to hug Abad in that one episode that ended up getting him fired. Like, mm-hmm. which would have been a beautiful moment. Yes. Would have been an absolutely beautiful moment. But, um, I'd probably still be crying if that had happened. But, um, yeah, I agree. And, I mean, we all know people like Shirley. Like, that's like... I love Shirley. Shirley is the lily of community, though, because... Yes. She thinks she knows best for everyone. And we all know people like that. We all know people like Britta. Frustrating as shit. And like claims to be, claims to have like this moral high ground, but then when you question them on it, it crumbles hilariously. In a way, she reminds me of our friend Charlie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I always thought that watching that, and I say that as like I, I love Charlie Coyle. I know for a fact she not listening to this, but no. But um, I wish then, I wish her well wherever she's at. But yeah, I know for a fact she's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then there's what my honestly my favorite character. Well, not my favorite. Jeff is my favorite. But then there's Annie, who I love. Annie, I love Annie, and that's probably because Allison Brie is just a very talented actress. But. Annie is probably one of the most neurotic characters on that show, but she is probably the most lovable outside of Abed. And every, like, there were a lot of Starburns and Chang characters. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. But but I was telling you this over dinner tonight, actually. My favorite character in Community is actually Dean Pelton. Dean, uh, I thought you were going to say Magnitude. Pop, pop. Dean, Dean Pelton reminds me... <laughs> he reminds me of um, my former boss my former principal mm. um someone who had a good heart and really tried and was in a losing situation yeah and it took him probably a lot longer than it should have to realize just how in over his head he was and every time this poor guy he tries so hard he has terrible ideas now now my my old administrator much smarter than dean pelton had better ideas but like it's just the earnestness where every day he shows up like, and even the funky costumes, my old principal would come decked head to toe in, like, Christmas lights. And when <laughs> he dressed up for every holiday, he, he, he was so enthusiastic all of the time. And then it was the days he was most enthusiastic where there would be, like, a fight that got the news crew called out. Like, he was so earnest. And Dean Pelton, it breaks my heart every time. He's like, I'm such a bad Dean when the school's getting torn apart. Because, like, he's such a sweet-hearted person. And it just, he reminds me of Lieutenant Dangle from Reno 911. (laughs) Because he's, like, such, like, he tries so hard, but he's such a goofy person that it just doesn't work. Like, oh my god, Reno 911 is one of the funniest things that's ever been on television. Like, uh, have you gotten to the episode in Community yet where Dean Pelton shows up <laughs> dressed as like a payday, like peanut bar or whatever? I don't think I've seen Bruh, that. it's hilarious. And he starts doing a little jingle rhyme and it starts off so sincere. He's just like, 
I'm a peanut, y'all, and I'm here to say your checks will arrive on another day. Another day, another dime, another rhyme, another dollar. Another white shirt and another stuffed collar. Criminals, monster. And, like, he just starts, in a, in his own Dean Pelton way, just, like, rapping hard. And then, like, he, he catches him and he's like, I don't know where that came from. I don't know where that came from. And he just runs off. And I don't think that that was supposed to actually be the scene because the entire cast just stares dumbfounded and they start looking at each other and then it immediately cuts to the opening theme song. And I'm like, that is the greatest moment in the history of this show (laughs) that is already full of great moments. Dude, I can't wait for you to get to that because when you do, you're going to remember this conversation and you're going to laugh your ass off. Fun fact, the actor that plays Dean Pelton is a Hollywood screenwriter and he co-wrote uh, The Way Way Back and The Descendants. Yes, he did. He's Clinic. also the actor that played not Moby in um, How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> All right. But I uh, do think it's time for a word from our sponsors this week. And uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but I got an email. I know who the sponsor is this week. It is none other than... Little Debbie, that's right. This week we are brought to you by Little Debbie and her wonderful oatmeal cream pies and star crunches. That's right. This week's episode is paid for entirely by Little Debbie's oatmeal cream pies. Take it away, Jake. (laughs) Uh, I thought you were going to say the snack that smiles back. (laughs) Goldfish. 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 I can't count the reasons I should stay. Uh, We're back. Uh, Yeah, so... um, Interesting. We've alluded to it earlier, but the two movies we're going to review for uh, this this episode are both movies that are part of ongoing franchises. They both deal with the question of legacy... Um, of transitioning away from the legacy, the face of the franchise, legacy character, and letting new characters stand on their own two feet. And they both represent... um, controversy, like, in a meta sense, because of that. But also they reflect some of the themes we were talking about uh, finding in our own personal life. Um... And they were both also very entertaining, solid movies. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the first movie we'll talk about is Creed Three. Creed Three, of course, is the third film in the Creed uh, saga, which is, of course, an extension of continuation of spinoff of the long-running, um, well-regarded, very popular Rocky franchise. Um, And just some, like, brief context, because I know not everyone is as up on um, all of this as Logan and I are. But, um, so Creed 3 is the first film of the Creed movies, and it's the first film of of the larger Rocky umbrella overall of the franchise that does not feature Sylvester Stallone as Rocky Balboa. Um, the reasons for that are, are twofold. One, and this is important to keep in mind because a lot of the articles floating around out there will not tell you this, but number one, there was discussion during Creed 2, uh, between 
the the writers, the producers, uh, and Sylvester Stallone about how he didn't like some of the creative decisions that were made um, in Creed Two, and he thought that the way they leave things for Rocky would be a good ending for his character, a happy ending. Um, so he wanted to sort of pass the torch over to Michael B. Jordan, and he had made an announcement as far back as, I would say, 20... I want to say 18? That he would not return for Creed Three, most likely. Um, that, that was something, that particular discussion where he... He, he wasn't really on the same page with the producers about the direction they wanted to take the franchise. I think that was probably brought back up. I think Michael B... Well, I know Michael B. Jordan had multiple conversations with him trying to get him to come back for Creed Three, But the biggest reason that he's not in the movie is because... Um, for people who, who don't know this, the Rocky franchise and the Creed films have been produced by um, the Winkler Chartoff Production Company. Um, it was Irvin Winkler, uh, or Irwin Winkler, and I believe Ivan, I believe Ivan, or Robert Chartoff. Char Robert Char Chartoff, I believe is his name. They were producing partners. They're the people that produced the original Rocky. They made all the other movies. Now... Uh, Chartoff has passed away and his children are working with Winkler. I believe it's Winkler's children now also because Winkler's like in his 90s. Stallone has had a problem with uh, Chartoff Winkler for a long time because when he was a young actor and he sold the screenplay uh, for Rocky, uh, he, he starred in the movie. He made a little bit of money off of it as the star and as the writer. Uh, and then, of course, he uh, wrote and directed Rocky's uh, 2, 3, and 4, wrote Rocky 5, and he wrote and directed Rocky Balboa. So St Stallone has had his hand all over the franchise. At no point during that time, since the moment he sold that first script, has he owned the franchise. A lot of people don't realize that. Stallone has been for decades attempting to convince Winkler to come to some deal where he gives him back some of the like conditional rights to the franchise so that Stallone can develop his own movies and not have to go to their studio to get the movie made. And this is the reason why Rocky V, uh, when it was not well received... It took 16 years before they, they made Rocky Balboa because nobody wanted to touch... They, nobody at that production company wanted to touch Rocky. He could, he could not get it made. He could not make it on his own. He had to convince them to make Rocky Balboa, and it took him a long time to do it. The reason he's in Creed is because they came to him and told him, hey, we're going to make spinoffs, and we would very much like you to be involved but we're going to do it regardless. Um, apparently, I think things came to a head during Creed 2, behind the scenes, and there is some evidence of that, like in the form of deleted Instagram posts from Sylvester Stallone and his brother Frank. 
Um, and while Stallone has made it clear that he has a lot of respect for Michael B. Jordan and he does not blame Michael B. Jordan for any of the stuff that has gone on, um, that he just can't overlook what has gone on behind the scenes with the producers and that he's just at a point in his life where he's thinking, and he, you know, he's in his mid-70s despite being in great shape, he's thinking his legacy and wanting to leave part of Rocky to his kids, and he can't do it. And now Chartoff has passed away and left part of Rocky to his kids. Winkler is in his mid-90s and is about to pass on everything to his kids. And I think Stallone, just as, a, as an older gentleman now, is that's weighing very heavily on his mind. And um, Rocky's my favorite movie. Stallone's one of my favorite actors. By the way, he's still doing good work. I mean, Tulsa King was excellent. Um, but that's the backdrop for anyone who didn't know. Okay, now diving into the movie itself. Um, the movie picks up, I believe, three years after Creed two. Mm-hmm. Um, it features... <clears throat> Uh, Adonis, who is now retired, he is now working as a promoter. Um, he's got his eye on developing young talent the right way. You can think of Adonis as an anti-George Washington Duke from Rocky Five. He's not about hurting anyone. He's not about uh, exploiting young talent. He's about developing them as fighters. Um, and you can see kind of like some of the things that he learned from Rocky. I think if you look at the way that he approaches things, Adonis is a good person. Mm -hmm. He is a likable person like Rocky was. It's a, a, he's a different type of character. Like his dad was. Well, yes, like Apollo with a difference being Adonis is a lot more, (laughs) a lot more humble than Apollo. Uh, cause you know, Apollo was like, Showtime all the time, which sorely missed that character. Uh, if the ghost of Apollo ever popped up, I'd be like, y'all jump the shark, but I'm okay with it. <laughs> um, and the, I think the best appearance of Apollo after his death was in the uh, scene from the first Creed movie where Adonis is boxing with his dad. Yeah. And I really like um, the the basic premise of this it's a good sequel to... Just like Creed 2 was actually a really good sequel to Creed. Mm-hmm. This is a really good follow-up to Creed 2. It it picks up... It feels tonally... This is Michael B. Jordan's um, directorial debut. He does a great job. Tonally, the movie... It fits what came before. It's a little darker. It has its own style to it. Particularly in the final fight scene, which we'll talk about a little bit. Um, and Jonathan Majors is a really, really interesting addition to the franchise, um, in terms of he's, this is Creed 3, his character in some ways reminds me of some of the, the, the character traits we saw in Clever Lang from Rocky 3, but he is very much a unique character and he's one of the best villains of the whole, villains quote unquote of the whole franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, Jonathan Majors delivers an excellent performance which was something we knew was going to happen. 
Michael B. Jordan is terrific. Um, like, I don't necessarily want to blow by blow the whole movie, like, because um, I'm assuming a lot of people will watch it, but spoilers, obviously, because we might talk about things that would be spoilers. Um, I think overall the movie's really good. Uh, it, 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 I did talk to you a little bit about how I feel like the second half of the movie feels a little rushed. It's like I think it's something about the montage sequence being a little too short for my own yeah, personal it, taste. So, um, like the the montage, the formula of the montage in every Rocky movie, right? He starts out training. It gets to be very difficult. The doubt sets in. They realize that they can do this, and then the like music picks up like really hardcore, and you see like the really difficult training montage start. It starts, the doubt barely creeps in, and then like in the same scene, they're just like, nope, we're uh, brushing past this, let's keep it moving. And to me, especially with how personal this story is, and the doubt that Donnie feels considering that he has to come out of retirement. In his mind, he's always thought that um, Damon was a better fighter than him. And the fact that like Damon has only been getting better while Adonis is on like the back half of his career. There should have been a lot longer moment of him being like, I just I can't do this. And then being like, and you don't have to do it like word for word, but just be like, I can't I, I can't do this right now like we can do we can pick it back up tomorrow or whatever and have Duke be the one be like there is no tomorrow like it, it's now or never like and they don't and I mean like I don't know it's it's obvious that it's just not long enough and this movie was I think the shortest in the it entire was. franchise at like an hour and 56 it was, minutes yeah, it, was, it was like a, it was like a half hour shorter than the other two but I'm like you you could have added an extra Fifteen minutes to beef up that that middle that second act of the movie, but that's honestly the only negative yeah. I have about the movie. And I one of the things I like the most about this movie, like I was saying, is one, it's way more personal, and two, I like that I finally get some answers in regards to like how Apollo's other kids treated right. Johnny, and from what he was saying to Marianne, God rest her soul, they take everything I love in this franchise <laughs> from me. Yeah. Um, but from what he was saying, he was like, you're the only person that ever treated me like family in this house, which then, I'm, okay, cool. So then I can fill in the blanks of Apollo's kids just treated him like the bastard son of their dad who they didn't want anything to do with, which I also think is a very interesting story uh, that should have been being, t- should have been told throughout all three of these movies. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that it was probably Michael B. Jordan who was like, okay, it's now time to address this. My thing is, where were those kids at that funeral? Were they there? I'm like, assuming the like just random Paul Bearers who like because you had Adonis and Duke. I'm assuming some of the other Paul Bearers were the kids also. Yeah, but they don't really show them. So, are there some deleted scene? Like, I would think that maybe there would be like at least one deleted scene of like one of Apollo's other kids talking to him, maybe mm-hmm. briefly, and it being like not necessarily super unpleasant, but like uncomfortable. Yeah, 
that I, I think maybe maybe something like that was filmed. Maybe 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 we'll find that out in deleted scenes. Who knows? Or maybe it was in an early version of the story. But you got to think Michael B. Jordan's thinking about that because he's thinking about the future of the franchise too. Yeah. And I think that uh, we will get those characters. Um, I hope so. And one thing, it this isn't like something that I'm going to say is a negative of the movie because the movie itself does a good job of establishing Donnie as his own character who doesn't need Rocky to be in the movie. So mm-hmm. it's not, to me, that this is a bad knock on the movie in any way. The two times that they do reference Rocky twice. Once, not by name, but you know who they're talking about. And another time, they reference the fight between Rocky and Apollo. He calls him, he, he, he just says like, you remember like how many people watched the fight between Rocky and Apollo? People are still talking about that. Mm-hmm. And there's some pictures of Rocky and Apollo in the movie. If you're eagle-eyed, if you're paying attention, I thought surely that during the subplot where Marianne Creed, Apollo's wife, passes away, which was a sad, beautiful moment, where she's like, she's like crying, and she, you know, she does the bit about like. She thinks Adonis is Apollo. She's like, he helped me. He helped me get over my anger. Mm-hmm. He helped me stop being mad at you, Apollo. That was so heartbreaking. <laughs> like, I, And as the, the Rocky fan of me who loves Apollo Creed, he was my favorite character in those movies. I'm just like... <laughs> um, but at some point, couldn't we get at least an off-screen phone call? Or reference to a phone call between Rocky and Adonis. Like, you could easily... You, you could easily have had him coming back in, sitting on the bed, and, like, you know, his wife being like, you talk to Rocky? Is he gonna make it for the service? And then he could have been like, nah, you know... You know Rocky got his hand full with that grandbaby. You know, like, we, we could have had well, there's, something. There's no... He should have just been like, no, Unk's still in Canada with, like... Right! His, like, because he did... He, like, he... He calls him Rocky, but... He, honestly... And it's why I love their relationship so much. Like, Rocky's just his uncle. Right. And, and I, you can tell that, like... One... Had Adonis just been, like, Apollo and Marianne's son... And, and Apollo never died... He would have grown up with Rocky in his life. And in a better world, Adonis and Rocky Jr. would have just been boys. Yeah. Although, although, what if Creed Four, uh, Rocky can't make it, but he sends his son to help Adonis train. We get the return of Milo Ventimiglia. I like at the end of Creed two when Milo Ventimiglia opened that door. I was like, yes! I was like, <laughs> unnaturally excited for like someone who basically had for most of his appearance in Creed been a D-back. Like, because like I have wanted to fight Rocky Balboa. I Jr. wanted to fight him in Rocky five, and I wanted to fight him at the beginning. The of beginning Rocky of Rocky Balboa, Balboa when he was like, "I've been living in your shadow my whole life." But from the moment that Sly gives him the whole, God, was doing that and that ain't you. You're better than that. Oh, at that point, when he got his head out of his ass, I was like, yeah. And so then, when at the end of the movie, he's like, I love you, Pop. And I was like, 
Oh, oh, that's good. Say what you want about the Rocky movies. They've got the best feel-good moments out of a lot of they movies. They do. And I can and despite see... despite what my film teacher said in college, Rocky Four is a good movie. And it's not the worst in the franchise. It's probably the greatest uh, American sports film. It's ever the made. best Rocky <laughs> movie. Yeah. He he ended the Cold oh. War. Silent darkness creeps into your soul. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, uh, but yeah. Basically, um, like I said, we don't we don't want to belabor the point, spoil every detail. But Jonathan Majors is basically a blast from the past for a, for Adonis. Uh, they they were in group homes together. Um, but, some, uh, fucking Damien looks out for him. Yeah, he's like back. an older brother yeah. when, no, when Donnie didn't have family, didn't have friends. And, you know, even after Marianne adopts him, they're still, like, tight. They're still mm-hmm. friends. They're still like brothers. And Damien so, is growing into quite a good boxer. He's yeah. he well, becomes, he's the youngest Golden Glove he, champion. Yeah, all, yeah that they, he becomes yeah. The, the youngest Golden Glove champion. And it's just some things go wrong, and some very unfortunate things happen. Wrong time, wrong place, wrong mixture of people mm-hmm. in the same place. Don't want to spoil all of that per se, but some things go wrong, and basically. It does involve the law. Uh, Damien has had a past, obviously, so has Adonis. Adonis runs. Damien gets caught. Damien goes away. Adonis lives, ends up living the life where he is, despite his own demons and issues, he, he lives the life that affords him the opportunity to overcome them yeah. and to be well-adjusted and to have great success in that sport that they both loved, whereas Damien spends 18 years in jail or in prison. And so what you have is uh, Jonathan Majors, who very much feels like Adonis basically got to live the life that should have been his. And that is... And he comes with some of that Clubber Lang energy, you know, of the like, you know, I want my shot. You know, he, yeah. he's not as over the top as Mr. T. Well, so during the movie, you, you looked know, over at me and you asked, like, do I think that uh, uh, do I think that Dame was being sincere or do I think he'd been plotting the whole time? And then, like, later on you find out that he had old buddies. Uh, you had Ivan, He had Ivan Drago's, like, hand jacked up. I genuinely do think that when he showed up, it was because he genuinely missed Adonis and wanted to see how he was doing. And I don't think that he went there intending for any handouts or anything, but he did know that Adonis probably would help him out or at least like get him in a position where he could probably start boxing again. I don't think Dame's intentions turn negative until Donnie was like, I can't just randomly get you a title shot when there's already a title shot that's scheduled to go. Like I I he was Don Adonis was like, I will help you and I will like help you get there, but like it can't just happen overnight. And that's when I think because he's been in prison for like damn near 20 years and he does realize that because he's older than Adonis mm-hmm. that like he doesn't have that much time 
that's when the the negative aspects of his character come out. And he's like, well, if you're not going to help me, then I'm going to do it myself. And then when he wins the fight, well, now he's he's got everything he ever wanted. And he turns his back on the one person who genuinely cared about him and then starts surrounding himself with like the yes men and all that. And there's, there's shades of Rocky five in that, right? There's, there's a little bit of Tommy gun in there. Mm -hmm. Like, and I mean that like sincerely and in a positive way, like there are shades Cause there were things about Rocky five that were good ideas. Yeah. And this is one of them. This is a better version. Yeah, of it's that a better story. told story like, of like of, of Rocky Five. Because because like when he wins, he wins for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Just like Tommy won for the wrong reasons, and he expects everyone to be happy about it, and then they're not. So he's like, fine. If I'm if I have to be the villain, I'll be the villain. Mm-hmm. And I think that. Um. You know, and I'll let you speak to this. Uh, again, I'm not I, like I'm not interested in beat for beat telling everyone what happens. I really want people who have even a passing interest to watch this movie. But obviously, there's a final fight in the movie, yes. and I think that the stylistic choice that they go with um, to reference like anime and things like that for someone who doesn't watch anime like me um i picked up on the like that's what they were doing Mm -hmm. and i thought it was an interesting choice and i thought it mostly worked because we've seen there's a this is the ninth movie in this franchise now Mm -hmm. i'm okay with this fight looking a little different uh it's filmed incredibly well uh you definitely got the sense of like the intensity between the two characters the only thing that, like, I didn't like about the final fight is that traditionally there's a little bit more of the, like, uh, some of my favorite parts of the Rocky franchise have been the music during the final fights mm-hmm. and the interactions with the, with the fighters in their respective corners and things like that. And a lot of that was downplayed in favor of like um, very intentional silence. Yeah, uh, it's like let's drown out all the noise and just make it this primal thing, and that's not bad. It's, it's not like that's a bad creative choice, but that that is the one aspect of it that was a little different for me because I was like, this looks awesome, and I get what they're going for because you really see this intensity with these characters. You even like, as far as the anime stuff, like you even hear the hear them like making those like vocalizations and things that. So don't, okay, so that that is one of the things I want to um, talk about. So like, as far as like them cutting the music out and you just hearing the like physicality of the fights, that is a very intentional yeah. anime thing because. The more intense the fight in anime, they will oftentimes cut out the music and you mm-hmm. just hear like, so if it's an anime where they have like swords and stuff, you'll just hear like the clanging of the swords right. and like the, the guttural noise that people make during the fight. So I love the fact that they did that. Also, I was picking up all the like different like references to anime and stuff like that. So then like at one point Dame is doing this like like swinging boxing motion and I was like, 
little Hajime no Ippo. Okay, okay, cool. Uh, there's a moment uh, when Donnie goes to confront uh, uh, Dame on the beach or whatever, and Dame punches him in the eye, and he's bleeding from the eye. I'm like, well, that happens in anime all the time. But I know Michael B. Jordan is a big like anime fan, like like Naruto fan. So I'm like, that might be a reference to some stuff that happens with like Sasuke's character or something like that, or Kakashi or whatever. And then the the actual fight, like the actual fight between Dame and Adonis, I love the fact that one. They cut out all the noise from like the audience, and you just see them fighting in this like empty arena. It's mm-hmm. the same arena that they're in, but there's nobody there but yeah. them to showcase just how personal and emotional this fight actually is. Because, yes, at this point, they are enemies, but they did grow up together. They are basically like brothers, which, mm, excuse me, references the Naruto and Sasuke fight, and in that same universe, the Kakashi and Obito fight, which are just different versions, different generations of the same struggle between two people who struggle to, they genuinely care about the other person, but there is a level of pride that both characters carry with them to where they can't oftentimes admit that they care and they both want to be the best versions of themselves, which is why there's also a little bit of Dragon Ball Z thrown in there between like, oh, well, the moment where they both punch each other and knock each other out Mm-hmm. The that's the fight between Vegeta and Goku from right. the Majin Buu saga, and because I love anime so much, I like the fact that if you're going to do something different, do something so different to where it's not the same stuff we've seen. Because, like you said, it's the it's the what ninth movie in this franchise. Stuff gets kind of stale by the time mm-hmm. you get nine movies in. But also, and I haven't seen a lot of people talk about this. Especially nowadays, anime plays like a huge part of just black culture in general. The majority of the black friends that I have or black family members that I have, and I, I reference that by saying black family members because my family is very diverse. I have a lot of different people in my family from different races. We're out here. Um, but no, it plays a huge part in black culture. Like Black people love anime. And I honestly couldn't tell you why we love it so much but we do and i feel like it it resonates with us on like a like a deep emotional level because there's and and there are people of all races that like anime but there is something to be said about like because there's a lot of anime that have to deal with uh people who are made to feel ostracized and stuff like that it's basic a lot of anime is just basically a modern day or a more modern version of like the stories that like X-Men and stuff like that told. And even though like anime is a Japanese animation style, oftentimes the main character isn't necessarily Japanese or they don't look like Asian passing. So we can kind of put ourselves in that. And especially nowadays, there are a lot of like really cool black anime characters that I see a lot of like black people like cosplaying as one of my favorite anime of all time Bleach it has the best version of representation the main character Japanese one of his best friends Mexican uh some of the main bad guys uh uh a a black blind dude who's like a black samurai swordsman it's dope then you've got like uh samurai shampoo afro samurai stuff like that to where like more so than anything else I feel like 
and not always because there's a lot of anime where black people are drawn to be very character y versions of like black people like the big lips and the big noses and I'm like that's problematic but especially nowadays like there's good representation of black people and we're not just necessarily bad guys or like just the the stereotype of like just the cool black guy like we're just normal people in anime and i think that might be one of the reasons why black people love anime so much so it's nice to see a movie from a franchise that i love incorporate stuff from something that i've cared about since i was a child because i've watched anime since i was like a kid so it's a nice melding of two of my favorite things of all time so honestly if we get more creed movies i hope he incorporates more anime feels and so you remember at the beginning of the movie when Donnie is fighting his version of the thrill in Manila in Africa or whatever, and he's doing this thing where like he's checking out his opponent and like time slows down. Also very anime heavy. Or when he goes to punch the guy and you just see like it's a close up shot of the other person's back and like the sweat just like starts like shooting off. I'm like Honestly, I'm basically watching Rocky the anime at this point. And I love it. It's fantastic. Give this movie a solid 8.5, 9 out of 10. Probably would have gotten a full-blown 10 if Sylvester Stallone had actually been in the movie. Yeah. Uh, I think it is the strongest um, emotional um, story of the three. Mm -hmm. um, I think it has the most dynamic villain of the three. Um, it's I a like really... the way that things end between those two characters. Yeah, also. so I do want to quickly reference that um, before we move on and talk about the other movie we're going to review. Uh, I, I There was a deleted scene where Donnie went to talk to uh, Drago's son after uh, uh, Drago throws in the towel and, and, and Donnie wins the fight at the end of Creed 2. It basically where he goes in, he goes and talks to him in his, uh, his like dressing room and uh, locker room and kind of offers some advice to him um, and you see there's a respect between the two of them and uh, there's a moment of uh, respect between Rocky and um, Drago mm -hmm. and uh, that basically happens here too like Donnie seeks out um, Dame and he, and he has a conversation with him and, and you get the sense that Dame is a character that could recur and that uh, might be like a, a brother to him. If mm -hmm. Judging by the fact that Florian Montau returns as uh, Victor Drago and they have developed a friendship in the intervening years um, since 2 and 3. And I like that. Um, Ooh. I, oh, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say I really like the movie. Uh, despite the absence of Rocky and the fact that the, the last half seemed a little rushed. Yeah. I'm still in that eight, eight and a half range. I think it was really, really well done. Um, and for people who don't know my scale, it's really, really hard to get a nine or a ten. Like it's really, really hard. So if I say something's an eight or an eight and a half or even a seven and a half, that's a pretty good movie. Um, so real quick, I, there's two more things I want to talk about, and they're both very cool stylistic moments. One with the lighting, and then another with the costuming. So. The first one, the lighting one, takes place uh, when Dame finally gets his first title fight. And Adonis goes to talk to him, and then he walks away. But 
they do this like really cool shot where you can see both of them, even though they're uh, dames in his locker room and Adonis is like on the other side of the wall in the, uh, I guess, hallway-ish area. And Dame, it's not like a really sharp, bright light, but he's uh, he's got like actual light on him. Mm-hmm. And then Adonis, who was on the other side, and they both like put their fists up against the wall, if I'm remembering correctly. But Adonis is in like a dimly lit, almost greenish-hued lighting. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, I was like, okay, so that's actually cool because like, to me, this represents like Adonis, who has been the golden boy basically for the franchise this far he's about to like go down like a dark path not necessarily for for through any actions of his own but he's about to like he's about to face some bullshit that he's not ready for which stems from the stuff that happened with them in their past right whereas dame is about to be on the come up and after this fight his whole world both of their worlds are going to change dame for the better adonis not so much because he then starts spiraling out of control because uh, Tessa Thompson's character is like, what's going on with you? Like, does this have anything to do with, like, Leon, who he's like, I don't want to talk about anything about that. Like, I don't want to talk about it. I'm not about to be up here crying. Like, that. that's good. No, I just want to ignore all this. Whereas Dame is just like, I'm the man now. I'm Diamond Dame. I finally got my chain. The other moment uh, is a costuming choice. It's when they actually have their fight in the giant baseball field, of all places. And Dame wearing the all black, but then like his name is written in like the the colors of the African flag because he was like, I'm going to have my Thriller in Manila moment, which this fight represents that for him. It's just not in Manila. Whereas Adonis comes to the ring, he's wearing the like red, white, and blue, which is just kind of, it's the, it's the color scheme of the creeds at this point. Uh, Apollo Creed was, he's America's, favorite boxer he was that guy but they're like a lot more muted and darker and like grimier because of all the stuff that adonis has been going through to lead to this moment but the moment he removes the robe he's got his like standard like all white boxing gear and stuff like that which for me once again represents he's finally letting go and shedding the bullshit of the past to be the version of him that he truly needs to be. Not just for himself, but for his wife and his daughter, who I loved his daughter this movie. She mm-hmm. was wonderful, precious. But he's like shedding the past and not just like the drama from the whole situation from his youth, but like a lot of maybe unresolved drama from being the son of Apollo Creed and he's letting that go and he's like just clad in white born again if you will ready to fight the demons of his past and I love the moment where because Duke tells him it's either in the fight or before that during the training montage he was like you need to let everything go like everything that was everything that you're afraid of let it go and like be in the moment right now and I thought that's a really cool moment that they didn't necessarily have to tell that ver- they didn't have to tell a a visual version of storytelling like that and it probably still would have been a good movie but I think that just makes it a little bit better yeah I agree those are good observations um, the movie is clearly very well made Michael B. Jordan has a bright future in this mm-hmm. I also think Michael B. Jordan Killmonger Jonathan Majors Kang those are two of the best Marvel villains there also, with uh, 
Tessa and Sly also being MCU. Mm -hmm. Outside possibility, we might have a uh, a scene with all four of those one day. The MCU, <laughs> and I look at you like they did it. Um, uh, Creed Four, baby, here we go. Uh, but yeah, Creed Three, go see it, guys. Um, I don't think you will regret it's that also decision. Remember the Titans uh, cameo because Duke is. Duke is Julius. Yes, Wait, is Duke, is. Duke is Julius. Attitude right? reflect leadership. Yes, it is. <laughs> we are the, the Titans. The mighty, mighty Titans. Uh, Ryan Gosling was a terrible football player. <laughs> <laughs> Sunshine. Um, Sunshine. Uh, Trevor Lawrence. All right, so uh, it's time to jump into the second movie that we saw. Today, actually. Indeed. And I'm not going to lie to you. I loved it. As did I. Scream 6. Um, can I just say at the jump, uh, we reviewed, I believe we did review Scream 5 for the podcast. Um, yes. And if you'll recall, I personally didn't like it as much as you did. I wasn't as big a fan of Scream 5. Mm -hmm. I love the franchise. It's my favorite horror movie franchise. Just wasn't a huge fan of the fifth one, and the reasons why I'm sure I articulated them on that podcast, so so I won't go back into that and waste any time on it. Uh, having said that, really, really, really enjoyed this it's one. A great movie. Scream it's Six. A great movie. Scream Six is 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 really fun. Um, Honestly, let's let's be honest, right? I enjoyed Scream Five, Scream Six. It's even better. Not gonna lie to you. It's better than a movie of that of that ilk has any right to really be. A sixth scream movie should not have I should not have had as much fun at it as I did. Does it hurt your soul just a little bit? <laughs> that uh we're getting all these these uh these sequels and requels or whatever the fuck they call these movies in this movie. The requels. Yeah, the requels and um they're, it, it's better than Halloween. Uh, it does. It does. Um, and this is the same company that has produced both franchises for a long time. Is it really? Uh, I honestly just ignored that part. Wow. And it's like... You know what that means, Why are you right? changing how? You know what that means? Get Danny McBride the fuck out of the writer's chair and let, let leave. Danny McBride, leave. Stop it. Or whatever that other dude's name was. David Gordon Green. Yeah, sure. David Gordon Ramsay or whatever. Well, David Gordon Green, I would prefer him to stick to the things he's excellent at, like writing hilarious TV shows like Eastbound and Down and uh, The Righteous Gemstones, which is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Um, but no, I I will say, you know, of course, spoiler alert, because we'll talk about some of the stuff uh, in screen six, uh, you won't you won't get out completely unscathed. The spoilers, um, but I really like this one. Mm -hmm. One, it takes it takes it. Um, well, let me hang on. Let me back up again. Making the connection with Creed three, this movie deals with legacy characters, and it deals with a legacy character not being there. Nev Campbell, face of the Scream franchise, announced about a year ago that negotiations fell through. Um, because they weren't willing to pay her, I guess, whatever she was asking as face of the franchise. And, and we don't know what those negotiations were. We don't know what she was really asking and what 
her part in the movie would have been mm-hmm. and it's it's really hard to compare that my assumption is that they might have had the, my assumption is they might have brought the Kirby character back as a plan B mm-hmm. when they couldn't get Nev Campbell yes um, so I think she might have fit that role as a supporting role I can see the studio being like well of course we love you we honor your character but we're not going to pay you more than we pay everyone else at this point just because you're a, you're only in it in a couple of scenes so I could see that being the case um Whatever it is. Also, um, like Nev Campbell. I, I genuinely like Nev Campbell. Um, let's be honest, though. Nev Campbell is not a box office draw. No, and, and I, I, I see why she fought for it, mm-hmm. fought for, for, for the money, because this is this is her, her thing. This is yes. her franchise. She's not like they're doing Wild Things 2. Uh, you know. Technically, it would be Wild Things 3. Yeah. Uh, where the wild things are, again. Uh, no, but but no. Going back to the movie itself. Um, so that's why Sydney Prescott's not in. Uh, this movie actually does a. Uh, so they're they're with the dilemma of like that Michael B. Jordan's in with Creed three and not having Sly. What what do you how do you address it? Well, the way they addressed it, I thought was very good. Um, when the murders start, Gail's uh, like, look, I called Sydney. She said she uh. Thoughts she sends her thoughts and prayers. Uh, God, uh, Rohan sees that the beacons are lit, but uh, Gondor will not be receiving aid because uh, her she has a family now, yeah. and uh, her she's taking her family somewhere safe, and 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 she deserves that happy ending. Mm-hmm. And I think every Sydney Prescott fan agrees. Yeah. Um, also, real quick, just jumping into it, I like the fact that. The ghost face killer honestly just doesn't care about Sydney in this movie. Yeah, I, I love that because, um, you know, the movie, like, it, it, we learn from the jump that it's in New York mm-hmm. uh, because Jenna Ortega's character, um, what, what is her name? Sam. Sam. Yeah, that's right. Sam's in uh, college now. Wait. No, Sam's the older sister, right? Yep. Sam's Billy's daughter. Keep talking and I'll look it up. <laughs> uh, well, Jenna Ortega is in college. Uh, she's in New York. Early on in the movie, we actually see uh, Jason Takes Manhattan, the other great slasher flick that was set in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, we see uh, that on TV. I thought that was a cool reference. Um, and it, it's really cool because they get to... You, you finally... you it, Tara. You get... Yeah, Tara. You, you get these... You get the characters out of of Woodbury again. You get them in a in New York, which is such a dynamic location where anything can happen. You get and it's done better than when they went to L.A. for Scream Three, right? You get the you get the like the really there's a great scene in a convenience store mm-hmm. uh, just off of like a busy New York City block. You get it was just any normal New York City bodega, right? And you shit get, went to hell. You get just this unbelievably creepy and effective scene on the subway, which I've never really... I mean, we've seen scenes on subways, but like, I've never seen a slasher scene that was as effective as this one. Um, You see that they they make use of the space of the dark alleyways that are just naturally creepy, of the city being creepy at night. 
they also set the movie right around Halloween. Mm-hmm. It's set, set like the last weekend in October. Which so then you get the makes sense of, why nobody pays any attention to a person right. in a ghost face mask because running around everywhere. the city. And then, of course, when the murder starts, because this is it's all meta and the Stab franchise exists, people are buying the ghost face mask again. And they really play up like the different masks from each Stab movie mm-hmm. and the different masks from Scream. And it all melds together and it's very meta. And it's really cool the way they incorporate those things. And I thought that... There's also the cool... Like, going back to the legacy of it all, there's the cool fact that... So you've got the character of Sam, who is the living legacy of Billy Loomis, but then the killers in this movie are literally leaving the masks of all of the Ghostface killers from previous movies at the crime scenes. Yeah. And they go from... The most recent one with uh, Dennis Quaid's son, who was the least impressive of all the murderers. And literally, when Sam pointed out that like his girlfriend did all the killings, I was like, he did, she did, yeah, it was useless. But it goes from that one to Scream 4, which I think we can both agree that Scream 4, not that great. But then uh, they reference Roman... They actually do a good job over his last name. They is. reference all the movies. They honor all of the movies. They really remind you all the way back from the first movie. Mm-hmm. This is a connected franchise. This yeah. is an ongoing story. Um, which is why I get annoyed when they call it a requel. I'm like, it's not a requel though. It's literally just a sequel. Like, there's no rebooting of anything well, in the, this franchise. The, the thing is, like, so, like, Scream... Because Scream 5 was not called Scream 5. It was called Scream. Yeah. And I think the reason that, like... Like, technically, you're correct. It's, it's not a reboot. It was just Scream 5. I think that, like, it was more of a reset. Yeah. And it's, like, it was a reboot in the physical sense of we're rebooting the franchise, but we're not rebooting the story and characters. It's a new... Honestly, it's like, the only horror franchise that hasn't actually been rebooted. And because they reboot, they've uh, reboot Halloween. They reboot Friday the Thirteenth. They reboot. Well, they tried to reboot Nightmare on Elm Street in yeah. Friday the Thirteenth. They they failed miserably. Um, hell, they even rebooted a uh, fucking Hellraiser. I feel like there which were. I didn't watch. No, I have no plans on it. I feel like there were a lot of um, just really truly um, memorable sequences in this movie. Mm -hmm. Good performances. The writing was clever. It was funny. The meta stuff that you come to expect in a screen movie was good. They show it in the trailer, but the the, the shrine of all the ghost uh, ghost faces from the past, Mm -hmm. it's even better in the movie because literally all of the evidence and the, the drawings of like their murders and stuff are there. And it's a really morbid but nice walk down memory lane of all the like really fucked up shit we've been watching happen since like the 90s and it was honestly it was nice the only one that hurt was seeing Dewey's like murder spree bullshit I'm like that's that hurt uh, I also liked the fact that the killer at one point when they show up to Gail's house they're like you know Gail you would've you'd've made a good killer Sydney. Eh, Sydney didn't have what it takes. Dewey was a fan favorite to be the killer, but you, you could have done it. Like, reporter snaps because she can't live without the limelight and all that. And I was like, honestly, 
because we joked with each other that it was going to be Gail at the beginning of the movie. And she was going to be like, I'm tired of not getting the spotlight. It should be about me after everything I've sacrificed. Well, which is why I killed that bitch, Sydney. <laughs> and I'd have looked at you like, oh, I'm leaving, but good for them. <laughs> Oh, like, and she's, or she's snapped. She's like, if it wasn't for you, my beloved Dewey would still be alive. Like, don't worry, I already killed that. I'd be like, what? Um, no, but I, it, it was everything we like about Scream. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, and a lot of things we like about modern slasher movies. Yeah. Uh, it was done really well. And I like the fact, and I think this movie. I enjoyed this movie even more than Scream 4 because they continued the story from Scream 4 and they don't... I was afraid that they were just going to have the whole, like, Sam seeing dead daddy visions. That was going to be like a one-and-done thing. But they brought Skeet Ulrich back again, which is hilarious because he's clearly supposed to be teenage Skeet but Ulrich, like but he looks 50 years old. I'm like, you can put all the makeup you want on that man, but he still looks 50. And I say that as somebody that likes Skeet Ulrich. But I like the fact that they're continuing the story that they started with that character in Scream 5. And because I was talking about this with you and Savannah when we left the theater, it seems to me that the story that they are telling is. With each time she's, Sam is put in this situation and she has to kill, she starts to understand more and more why her dad was the way he was and that if, it, if she doesn't have Tara in her life, then she could possibly go down that same path. Because at the end of the movie, you see her holding the mask and it's doing this like weird, creepy music and you can tell that she's maybe thinking about giving in to the urges, but uh, Tara's like, hey, Sam, are you coming? And she drops the mask and she leaves. I could see if this if this new set of characters, they keep going with these movies, she possibly really could be like the final ghost face if they ever want to end this franchise, which, please don't. If As long as you're making quality movies, please don't end this franchise. Especially if something happens to Tara. Yeah. To see her becoming unhinged. Or, or... It, the voice of Daddy Darius just gets in her head and he's like, especially like if this happens a couple more times and she, you can tell that she clearly wants to give into it. Billy can just be like, she's holding you back. She's the one that you need to kill. Also, though, it, it kind of looked like Tara's character was real like gung-ho about just being willing to kill people and it didn't look like it really bothered her that much. Mm-hmm. But also, you can... Fam, there's a spider right next to you. Like, hang it. Yeah. Oh. No. <laughs> yes, there is. Uh, so, yeah, just just go on and kill that real quick, you know. And then we'll continue the, the conversation. That didn't kill it. You just knocked it over to the side. Anywho, um... You out here humanely dispatching the spiders. We ain't got time for that. But no, uh, but like, you notice that like Sam's character, she kills people in a very brutal fashion that 
you technically wouldn't have to kill somebody that brutally to dispatch of them. Like, you can tell she revels in the, like, the just the sheer brutality of it. Because when she actually starts to kill the mm-hmm. killer in this movie, like, the, the mastermind of it all, spoiler alert, it's, it's probably who you think it is, and the reasons are... Their reasons for this are bullshit. Bro, <laughs> yeah. their reasons are bullshit. Their reasons were stupid, yeah. We'll spoil, we, we, we won't spoil that for anybody that wants to see this because the movie just Yeah, we, we won't, t- we won't like, tell you who the killer, it, it's, killer it's is. But like, bullshit. It's bullshit. It we will spoil that it's stupid reasoning. And, and, and I mean that in the best way possible because it's hilarious. And then when I pieced it together, I was like, oh, it was there's like, that. And it was predictable, but it was like, it's not that it was so obvious that you totally would necessarily guess it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more like, I, I felt like after the fact, I felt like, oh, well, of course that's what it was. Right. Not so much that I was, I wasn't well, we trying should, that hard to solve we, the mystery. I was just trying to enjoy yeah. the movie. But like, if we were, I think we would have pieced it together Sussed because it we were like, well, wait we, a minute. This is just, and they they reference it earlier in the movie. They were like, "Well, it's it's stabbed too, it's screamed too, right?" And we were like, "Oh yeah," because well, we that has to end because they do a thing yeah. where they're like, all of them are sitting in a van while uh, Sam and Tara are being used as bait, mm-hmm. and Randy's niece and nephew. They're like, "Our uncle Randy died like this, like in broad daylight, like in a van, just like this." And I was like, "That's true." Although your uncle Randy was out here talking mad shit. And he couldn't back it up. So, God rest his soul. Jamie Kennedy, gone too soon. Um, but, no. It, I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed... Because I, I've enjoyed, for the most part, even the ones that I don't think are great movies, I've enjoyed all of these. So, it was nice to just sit back, relax, watch this movie. Uh, I think this is the shortest turnaround for a Scream movie. Oh, yeah. Ever. I mean... Because the last one came out last year. And this is getting good reviews, and they said it was on par for probably a, a, a franchise record opening weekend. Give me my sequel. So I think, just like Creed is absolutely going to get a Creed 4 uh, and possibly other spinoffs, I think we're going to get the next Scream pretty quick, probably next year. There is a uh, there there is a character who becomes the new Dewey in this, not because they're a cop, but because they just they're there to get stabbed multiple times and yeah. always survive. And it annoyed me at first because this character gets stabbed. And I was like, no, but I hope I like this character. But like they get stabbed like fifteen times. And they're just bleeding profusely from every stab wound and out their mouth. And they're just like, run! And then I'm like, this is bullshit. And then uh, Jenna Ortega's character is just like, they died. And then all of a sudden you just hear the paramedics, we got a live one over here! And I bust out laughing because I was like, there's no way. There is no way that they're still alive. And then they show that person and I'm like, this is gold. I hope this is a reoccurring thing. Yeah, I hope. That this character just constantly gets stabbed. I definitely hope they commit to that bit, because it was hilarious. Oh, God. Um, but, uh, yeah. I, I Look, I really liked it. If you're a fan of slasher movies, if you're a fan of Jenna Ortega, if you're a fan of this franchise, definitely go watch Scream 6. Um, and watch it quickly before somebody does spoil uh, the end for you. Go go watch it and enjoy the movie. I will say uh, it's, a, it's a bummer that there was no returning Stu Mocker. Yes. 
I will spoil that. As we, yeah, Stumacher does not return. Although they do embrace the fan theory in this when they're like, they're like, that's the TV that killed him. They're like, if you think he's really dead. And then, like, towards the end, somebody, like, a TV falls on their head. And it's like, <laughs> that, that person is very much, like, you know, dead. And it's oh, yeah, like, they died. It's like, I guess that's them bringing up the fan theory and then also quashing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I really I really enjoyed it. Um, eight and a half out of ten. Yeah, I, it's definitely up there. Uh, at least an eight for me. Uh, I really liked it. So... Uh, we've got uh, next week Shazam 2 Fury of the Gods I'm not super super stoked about it but I am going to watch it next week Uh, I'm pumped I'm not going to lie to you because I um, really liked the first Shazam movie it was just a very wholesome family friendly superhero movie I'm super stoked about the following weekend John Wick. Which we probably not going to be able to watch till Sunday. I'm definitely going to watch that before call time. The day we open Sweeney. Friday? Yeah, I'm going to go watch that at like 1 o'clock. Then I'm going to roll up to Camelot. Oh, but I actually can watch that at 1 o'clock because I took that Friday off. I did too. (laughs) Ha ha! John Wick? John Wick? John Wick. My man. Um, Then, uh... We're going to start that weekend in grand form. Um, the following weekend after that, Dungeons and Dragons. While not, not as excited, but I will watch but it. But we'll watch it. Looks good. The weekend after that, wife's birthday weekend, and she's super excited about this, Mario. No excitement whatsoever, but I will watch it just I'm, out of curiosity. I'm looking forward to it. My, my, my boy DK's in it. Getting Donkey Kong. Excited about that. Voiced by Seth Rogen. Excited. I'm excited about uh, The Prospect. Fair enough. Jack Black is Bowser. Uh, Chris Pratt's Mario. Uh, I'm looking forward but to it. But Anna Taylor-Joy is uh, Princess mm-hmm. Peach. And Keegan-Michael Key, Toad. Um, and, uh, and then, like, I'm pretty sure after that we have, like, uh, the uh, Fast and Furious 10s coming out. Fast 10, and, baby! And, uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of other... Fast 10, your seatbelts. <laughs> there's a lot of other Flash this summer, which, you know, whatever. Uh, there's I'm a, annoyed that it looks good. There's a lot coming out that we're going to have to watch and review. Um, oh, yeah, 65 came out also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do want to watch that. Um, if I get to watch it, uh, I will be sure to mention my thoughts for the podcast. Logan, before we sign off... Uh, I well, I do want to say, make sure that you that you stay tuned uh, to the feed here because we will be talking about the back half of the Last of Us and the last of this season of the Last of Us and the Last of Us uh, season finale. That'll be, uh, I'm sure we'll mention that or have a segment on that in the next episode. Um, um this along is... with our review. Of, this, uh, this, real, this real random fam, but um, April 13th of this year, the cats are losing their shit. Uh, <laughs> the Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, Extended Edition, coming back to theaters. 
That's very random. It's the four hour and 20 minute version. I've seen that in theaters twice. 420. Uh, I've seen it in, I've never watched the extended version in theaters. I've seen it in theaters Might twice. Might go do that. Actually, hold on. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Do I, are the tickets? No, I got to pay thirteen fifty to go watch that. That's not included with the Regal. Oh, uh, yeah. I got that 4K and a 70 inch TV. Kiss my ass. Um, but, uh. Oh, but before we do leave. Friend and supporter of the podcast, Maria, she got back to me because I asked her, why is uh, why is Gimme Chocolate by Baby Metal the song that represents your year? Uh, and her response is, after I was like, nice, can I ask how it relates to your year? Her response, I'm cute and aggressive this year, and I just want chocolate. So, fair. There you go. I, I support that. All right. Well, uh, we hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Go see Creed 3. Go see Scream 6. Threed! Uh, if you would like to contact us, you know the drill, lnjpod at gmail.com. Uh, like, share, comment, subscribe. We're on every social media platform, pretty much. All of them. Uh, and uh, tell your friends. Uh, tell your enemies. If you actually look at the show notes, there's a little link that says support this podcast. Thank you for those who already do that. Uh, you can do it for as low as 99 cents a month. Uh, and... Um, Unlike those fifteen cents a day commercials, we, you know where the money's going. Right, it's going to us. Right, to help us produce better quality for you. Right. We might not have Sarah McLaughlin singing in the arms of the angel, but you got us singing songs that we don't have the rights to. So, and with that note, the times they, they are, are a changing. changing. See you soon, everyone.